Hey, City of Champion listeners, another fantastic guest on my podcast this week. And this one's a little bit different because the scope of his work uh, falls far outside any of my areas of expertise. Dr. Pierre Boulanger is a professor and researcher at the University of Alberta in both the departments of computing science and also radiology and diagnostic imaging. He's also the director of both the Advanced Man-Machine Interface Laboratory and the Servier Virtual Cardiac Center. One of Dr. Boulanger's main focuses focus I? Focus, is expanding the capabilities of telemedicine, that is, allowing doctors to assist or even operate on patients from a remote location. We cover a wide array of topics of which I am admittedly undereducated in, but nonetheless, it was a fascinating conversation, and I know you will all enjoy it as well. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Oh. Boulanger. Really appreciate it. Oh, well, it's a pleasure to be here. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really uh, taking the opportunity to talk to you. And, uh, have, yeah. have you uh, got many of these requests before? Uh, once in a while. That's uh, it's not frequent. I'm not a superstar. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, either uh, I want to be. It's all right. Yeah. Well, I think everyone's a superstar in their own regard, and that's yeah. what I find with this podcast is you get to know people, and people are just like endlessly fascinating to me, and and um, you know everyone's doing something, and as long as they're putting their full effort into it, they end up doing a really spectacular job, yeah. uh, and you're doing great stuff uh, at the U of A. Well, thank you very much. So when, a- when someone asks you what do you do, how would you explain to them? Um, basically, I, I'm trying to. There's two things we're trying to do, and uh, is to actually bring um, medicine at home, uh, point of care, basically, uh, old age or even new age, uh, young people, to old people, being at home, not having to go to hospital, being able to be monitored numerically, so that bringing something, a new type of medicine called evidence-based medicine. I mm-hmm. mean, they're already is evidence-based medicine, but uh, it's one of, you know, yeah, you go, you don't feel good, you go to hospital and then they do a whole pile of measurement on you. Right. Well, maybe if you monitor every day, you mm-hmm. might be able to monitor ahead of time right. what's going on with you and then maybe, maybe to prevent and then prevent the ideas of prevention. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that, that must be getting so much easier now with all the, the new tech with the wearable. Wearable, uh, new type of sensors uh, for mm-hmm. uh, for blood, uh, for oxygen levels, uh, mm-hmm. even now blood pressure. Um, you can also have other sensors in the house to monitor where you're going inside the house. For older people uh, especially, um, are they... Um, not going in the right place uh what is do they are they almost falling i mean right. not just f- you don't want to do it at the fall level yeah because then you can hurt yourself maybe there were a lot of precursor to that which mm-hmm. is uh, i mean quasi fall we call them so, right sort yeah. of stumble stagger, stumble and then are they uh, one of the key thing for older people is are they following their prescription mm-hmm. uh, because that's actually a lot of the cause of fall and yeah. so we have a little device called uh, the um, that allow you to um, to monitor so it's the pharmacy give you a box that's your prescription you put yeah. the box inside that uh, the, the name of that box is called Spencer and Spencer say to you hey you can you you should <laughs> cons- take your pill and, right. uh, and if you don't mm-hmm. it will record that back to the cloud and say uh, to your file that uh, you're not 
following your prescription. Right. So it's sort of a, a smart box, a smart prescription right. pill box. But it does more than that. It actually will uh, collect as well data from, say, uh, accelerometer that will give you if you're quasi-falling. So yeah. maybe you take your pill and then afterward you're, you feel dizzy and you're almost falling. Right. Or uh, your blood pressure suddenly goes up and things like this. So. All this get recorded, mm -hmm. and then the idea is that in the cloud, there are big computers that actually pass or process that data and look for patterns. Right. Yeah, that's and right. with computing power now, and, and compute power mass and statistics, there's so much that you exactly. can do. Exactly, right? and then machine learning algorithms that allow you to detect patterns right. of problems. I, I read that if in, I forget if it's the US or if it's in North America, if you're prescribed medication, you're more likely, as an individual, you're more likely to administer your pet's prescription to them than you are to administer your own prescription to yourself. Yeah, that's right. And we take and such well, poor you, care you have of to uh, take care. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, basically taking the right dosage, for example, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, of prescription. Uh, blood pressure pill is a good example. Uh, if you take too strong blood pressure pill, your blood pressure goes down too uh, right. too uh, too much, and if it's too high, then it's not enough. Then you have a, still have high blood pressure right. problem. So we we have a project currently, we're working with um, uh, a chair in Canada chair in high blood hypertension uh, to monitor about hundred older people. Mm -hmm. uh, here's an example here: you go to a pharmacy, uh, not pharmacy. You go to your GP. You arrive after driving in a in the traffic, they measure your blood pressure. Yeah. It's high. You're stressed. They, even they, they could measure it three times, but it's what uh, this fellow at university says, say, well, maybe that should not be, that gives the illusion that you have high blood pressure. Right. But maybe you don't have it. Right. You want to measure it in the midst of everyday life. Everyday life and at different time during the day. Right. So, so the system we've developed allow you to measure about four or five times a day mm -hmm. uh, after lunch and uh, what is the blood pressure uh, value and then basically determine is the pill that you have is good for you. That's right. A, yeah. Have you guys started utilizing in this kind of home care, um, have you utilized the smart assistants like uh, Amazon Alexa or the Google Home? Have you guys Yeah, we combine that? that with that. What we do in, 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 uh, is to provide the hard numbers to those things. Gotcha. So so we, we get uh, how many times he almost fell, uh, what is uh, all the other parameters, physiological mm -hmm. parameters that mm -hmm. you do that, including, for example, we have a, a little box uh, called... Um, uh, Piccolo, uh, which is actually a um, metabolite analyzer, so potassium, and in old age, for example, instead of having grandma, okay, now she has to go to Dana Life to get some measurement mm -hmm. or a measure like a cholesterol level, mm -hmm. uh, you can actually, the nurse there can just draw a little bit of blood, put that in the machine, and in 10 minutes, you got the same result, and then you then it's associated with your file, right? And then your uh, and then so it avoids grandma having to go into a, a different place and uh, right. Et Isn't that one of the biggest problems with medicine is not having a centralized sort of database that reads all the metrics, everything that that is taken over the, the course of different practitioners and the, it, actually there is one. Okay. Uh, Alberta Health has a big uh, central computer somewhere or contain all the. Uh, the vitals of a person. Uh, the problem is access. So uh, recently, they've done is uh, they developed special portals that actually allow you for you as a patient to view the data, but also as a doctor, mm -hmm. uh, especially GPs, to actually see. Oh, but 
this other GP here prescribed that for you. Right. Why are you asking me to prescribe that for you? Right. And then, so, so avoid, uh, for example, patients that go hop between GPs and, mm-hmm. and get, try to get more medication. Mm-hmm. But what about just for more of a blanket care solution? So for me as someone who admittedly doesn't go to my GP very often no, because no, no, no. I'm 29 yeah. and, and yeah. from the outside, I feel healthy. good, that's feel that's good right. and that's healthy. Right. But I wear my Apple Watch, for example, yeah. which consistently takes my heart, heart rate measure right. and, and you know accelerometer and all that. Would it be beneficial to one day have, even if it's that minute amount of data, continuously uploaded somewhere, and then should something go wrong, they can go back. And, or better still, or better yet, predict. For example, if your Apple Watch can measure your heart rate and mm-hmm. upload that every, I don't know, two or three minutes, there there are phenomena. Like for example, uh, some of the really fit uh, athlete that were that play soccer have right. that's called sudden death syndrome. Right, their hearts just stop. Just right? stop. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's actually if you actually would look at the history of their heartbeat mm-hmm. over time using machine learning algorithm, yeah. you could detect that they are oh, it's tired like anomalies in the heartbeat. Right. That predicting that. So how often do those anomalies occur? That's the problem. We don't know. We're not sure. We're not sure. We're not measuring so, the heart rate. Exactly. But if you would measure continuously the heart yeah. rate, uh, you would actually be able to predict that right. and say, you, you got the, this genetic problem. Right. And then you should be careful. And so, so athletes must go a long way in helping this research because they're measured for performance so yeah. often, right? So, so, so there are uh, things we're working with. Uh, it's basically uh, uh, exoskin vests, which are basically measure breathing, the, the belly breathing, the chest mm-hmm. breathing, heart rate, and accelerometer. And for example, there, uh, there are teams, soccer teams and hockey teams that actually uh, those people wear that mm-hmm. and then you can also not only monitor for just health but also for performance right so you can actually say oh yeah well the last two months you're not in good shape maybe you shouldn't be the one going and right and then how do you then tie that physical health into psychological health that's that's the hardest one <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's they are uh, they are attempt uh, to actually uh, use cameras mm-hmm. and uh, try to uh, looking at you and mm-hmm. then they actually trying to determine your emotional state I mean, it's a bit bogus my viewpoint but okay. uh, it's yeah. currently there's a lot of claim but mm-hmm. uh, the non-proven claims because the machine la- lacks context yeah that's right and, and but they, they are key facial expression that would express your displeasure or your mm-hmm. stress and things like this and they are the marker as well uh, you can me- measure cortisol in your body in mm-hmm. your blood that's a stress hormone stress hormone you can also measure resistance and and then you can some sort of determine that a person is a uh, is in a high stress situation. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, it's still a long way to go for that right. one. It's, uh, well, I worked for uh, for a transportation company for a couple of years, and I was as the sort of millennial really, put in yeah. charge of the um, the driver monitoring and sort of the driver uh, satellite tracking, oh, yeah. and and so I went to a conference uh, in Dallas and uh, went to a bunch of different sessions, some of which were like the futurist uh, side of of the industry and the technology. And what they were saying they could do with with, um, big data is just fascinating. Like, so the the satellite tracking machines have uh, like a keyboard. So instead of the drivers texting on their phone, they actually use a satellite tracking to uh, type back to the dispatcher, to other trucks. And and what they're saying is they they can use specific predictors over the course of, you know, however many years to get it so precise to um, determine if a driver is about ready to have an accident, accident uh, about ready to have a, a, a crash, yeah, um, yeah uh, right. or quit, or maybe using drug for, or maybe 
abuse and drugs exactly and so it's just in the language that they use yeah so an aggressive driver or you know maybe not a team player he's going to use words like i and me Uh, and my instead of us and doing voice recognition and voice intonation and and now with uh, deep learning machine learning type algorithm uh, you can actually uh, detect that quite Right. Quite well, actually. Exactly. So, and yeah, it's the difference between no one saying anything or maybe a yeah. dispatcher going to the driver and pulling him aside and be like, is everything okay? Like, exactly. how, how are things at home? And yeah. maybe he's having troubles at home. Maybe his kids are sick. Maybe his parents are sick. So it's a bit funny you mentioned uh, about uh, tracking uh, fleets and things like this. We actually uh, use uh, the sim- similar device, they're not very big, yeah. for tracking uh, Alzheimer patients. Uh, so uh, Alzheimer patient will uh, frequently uh, leave the building. And right. one of the things you can do with those devices is make geofences. So <laughs> so basically, if they leave the building, right. you know, and you also know where they are. And we're not talking shot callers, right? We're no, just that's right. <laughs> well, my father-in-law had this problem. Uh, he was about 89, he was Alzheimer's. And, uh, yeah. He almost froze to death in his Tony Plain era. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so, so you can breadcrumb through it too and exactly. see, and see where, where they are, where they've gone and where they are been. And, but you could, uh, same device then, uh, you're also using data mining again, is you can put that in grandma's cars and you say, okay, she doesn't have to know what is there. Right. And where is she driving? Mm-hmm. What speed? Is she driving the right direction? <laughs> And then you could actually objectively, if you mine that data, you mm-hmm. can objectively determine if someone is uh, capable of driving still. Right. And then, so it is with a condition like Alzheimer's. Is it uh, a steadfast threshold of you are or you aren't, or is it a spectrum? It's very, uh, it's very uh, gradual. So right. You, you you go into this place where you start losing knowing where you are mm-hmm. to uh, to really like almost catatonic state. What's so, the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Uh, dementia is more cognitive. Okay. So you're, you're not, co- as Alzheimer is really a physical, uh, well, both are physical uh, change in your brain, but Alzheimer is really, your brain is literally disconnecting itself. So, oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. And so, dementia is just more of cross-wiring. Yeah. So Alzheimer, you can actually detect that uh, relatively easily with MRI. Mm-hmm. And then, so you can see the, the change in the, the, Convolute, uh, convolution of yeah. the brain, and yeah. so. Yeah. So, are we going to get to a point where people are wearing monitored technology throughout their entire lives, and then eventually we're going to see? Okay, what does everyone who develops it at sixty to seventy, or seventy, yeah. eighty, or eighty to ninety, what do they all have in common? And then what? What do the people who don't get it till much later? What do they have in common? In common, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, the, 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 that's what the technology of continuous monitoring would bring, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it would allow you to. Uh, know what is the baseline like, like you said you're in good shape uh, mm-hmm. at your age now you got a baseline for you mm-hmm. not a baseline that is in the textbook right baseline for you right and then what you can do is use that baseline and then see oh you're drifting here maybe uh, it's related then to relate that with food consumption mm-hmm. or f- to uh, lifestyle right. and and try to say, okay, oh, may I see my cholesterol going up? Right. And then, but early on, mm-hmm. so it says. Because so we're so wrong about so many different things, like whether it's, you know, the food pyramid back in the day or or whether it's about uh, cholesterol levels. Yeah. At first it was you can't eat eggs because they're not healthy. And now, the, it, and now, now there's they're zero, uh, zero point on, that's the, right. on the scale. I, I, think it, I think fundamentally, I mean, medicine uh, assumed that everybody is the same. Right. And that's the assumption, the more mm-hmm. I said but actually, it's not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, every human being is different. There's a range that is 
similar. Mm-hmm. That's what medicine rely on. Mm-hmm. But everybody has this different level somewhere. Right. And, and what's and your place of origin? Are you Northern European? Exactly. Are you Asian? That's right. Are you African? That's right. right. And then everything affects you differently. And affect, and then also you will use different food and or consume different food. Different. Mm-hmm. You have a different tradition. Yeah. Uh, you might deal with stress differently. I mean, uh, so and, and these are all things that affect your life. So. What computer can do today is actually monitor your vitals and mm-hmm. monitor your act- part of your activities. Uh, there's always privacy issue with that one. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, and if you have nothing to hide, what do you care? And it, but still, <laughs> uh, it's a, I don't necessarily want to know what I'm doing all day. Okay. Uh, as a matter of principle, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is not very hard to, to protect for that. Uh, there is a lot of uh, good encryption algorithm. And uh, for example, in our project, we're using a standard, a medical standard, to actually make sure that nobody can go and watch. Right. To give you an example of privacy is, that let's say uh, you are in the US, and uh, especially with private healthcare, uh, and you're having a borderline lifestyle. Okay. And let's say that. What does that mean exactly? A borderline lifestyle is, let's say, you're eating pizza every day, three times a day with Coca Cola in the morning. That's oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's a mild borderline lifestyle. I thought you meant like, so he, like a hedonist. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what else you're right. doing? But things like this, yeah. or, or you're drinking uh, too much wine or beer or whatever. And um, so, personally, if your choice, fine. I mean, Who's to say that uh, government should interfere in my consumption of pizza? Right. You know? And I, I would have a problem with that. Right. An issue. On the other hand, if, uh, the, if you're monitored mm-hmm. and they will notice that your cholesterol will go up mm-hmm. and other things will go up, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so they would actually um, uh, b- might oblige you to actually disclose your, your lifestyle, right. and then uh, you would. Uh, in some way, your insurance might go up. So, right. I mean, in Canada, we have this um, universal health care. So, I mean, it's independent of that. Mm-hmm. But maybe eventually, when uh, there's the cost of health care becomes so prohibitive, mm-hmm. which is very likely, uh, especially with the aging population, uh, there might be uh, places where you would have to make decisions on uh, lifestyle-related. Right. Mean, eating... I don't know, three times a day pizza. I mean. Right. <laughs> you like pizza, don't you? <laughs> um, Whatever. It seems like technology really individualizes a lot more things. Like, for example, now with uh, <clears throat> with tracking of, of ticket sales at Roger's Place, for yeah. example, they figured out an algorithm so that every sing, almost every single seat has a very specific price based on the supply and demand. Yeah. So if you're in the middle of a row, versus the end of a row, those, row those two seats are gonna be different. And it yeah. seems like that makes sense to go the route of healthcare too, right? Because some people are gonna be paying for the care of others when they're perfectly healthy, but they have health insurance anyway. Exactly. That and then cool. working the reverse way too, that yeah. might incentivize the less healthy yeah. people to really realize like I'm living this but, lifestyle. But the, the stick of uh, that should not be that. In some way the stick should be, you want to be healthy. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, that's right, it's more like, a, <clears throat> I, I want to feel good, and I don't mm-hmm. want I don't want to uh, like I'm coming back on my pizza th- example. Uh, I don't want to be at thirty and uh, die of a heart attack. Right, <laughs> and, uh, but a lot of people don't realize or just don't no, don't don't, yeah. don't have um, any pause in their day yeah. to, to think about that. Right? right, it's really easy to get you get accustomed to a specific lifestyle where where you know you just you get used to not feeling all that energetic, yeah. and you're like, oh no, I feel pretty good, and you lie to yourself. Well, and, 
Actually, you can imagine in the future there will be a sensor in your body and then enhance your perception of your state of your body. Okay. That would actually be totally personal. It would mm-hmm. be just maybe a pinch somewhere or or a, 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 a moving a muscle or something. It's like a haptic. Yeah, sort of. some sort of a complementary to because our body is not very verbose about our state. Right. You can be uh, talking to me very nicely there and then mm-hmm. suddenly two or five minutes later die of a heart attack. Right. I mean, so there's no, there's little warning we have, like heart pinch and thing like this, but okay. we don't have. So you can imagine that instead of sending all that to the cloud and all that, you could have on yourself yeah. certain computers right. Right, that actually will tell you um, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let yeah. let me play the devil's advocate and yeah. argue. What about? Um, uh, oh, what's the name of it? Placebo effect, where yeah. I think I'm a very extremely healthy person and I feel good and I'm good and I just continue to be good. Does that play a factor on it? Well, that, that's where the sensor will give you the ground truth, the, the, the real truth about your state. Right, I mean, but I might, can, can the body not sometimes fool itself? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, it, you might be uh, at, the, at the edge of a lot of, for example, heart attack. I mean, you're right. at the edge of having, especially if you consume too much fat and cholesterol type, mm-hmm. uh, you don't know the, how much of your arteries are clogged. Right, right. <laughs> but suddenly they get unplugged, or right. some of it, and then it's like a bullet to the heart. All right, so clogged arteries, there's no placebo effect on that. No, if they're clogged, right. they're clogged, right. you're gonna have a heart But there are other more psychological effects, there's no doubt about it. But right. you could imagine situation where if you could, um, let's say you're very stressed. Mm-hmm. Well, there might be some little voice here in your, or in your cell phone say, come red and say, come down. That to me is the really yeah. intriguing one. Yeah. So if I'm wearing my watch and it's detecting sort of my blood uh, or blood pressure and heart yeah, rate and, heart rate and rate sweat levels and oxygen yeah. levels, you know, you get stressed, you don't realize it, you start yeah. breathing more shallow, you're not getting enough oxygen, that only exacerbates the whole exactly. cycle, right? Yeah. And then it's just a little haptic that says yeah. like, hey, like maybe check yourself before yeah. you wreck yourself. And the thing is, it's also the length of it. I mean, you might be stressed for a short period of time, which is normal life, mm-hmm. uh, but you might, if you're in that state for for years, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it actually will create heart attack, will create a stroke, and uh, there is a link between uh, high stress level and cancer. Right. And people are are biologically predisposed to react worse or less worse to stress, right? Well, it depends on your belief systems and also depends on just basically how you deal with stress. I mean, to know it, hold on, I'm disconnecting here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to a peaceful place and I'm Mm-hmm. Waiting until my watch say you can go back again to the real world. That's right, a, yeah, but everyone everyone's got a different threshold for that. Absolutely, right? what yeah. would what would right. tr- trigger them? It, it's the same as a, the, I would call it the pain the pain threshold. Right, uh, everybody has a different pain threshold. Everybody mm-hmm. has a different stress threshold. And, uh, so, but how did? Um, because your background originally is in things like physics and yeah, electrical that's right. engineering. Yeah. At what point did your your uh, education or career trajectory cross with the medical field? Well, I would say my approach to it is a very engineer physics type approach in the yeah. sense that I want to design sensors that measure real physical thing mm-hmm. and relate that to health. Mm-hmm. So it's a... So it's, I mean, doctors end up doing that, but it, it's more on the medical, uh, what is the treatment and the consequence. What right. I want to do is measure those things and come up with, like you said, not something that is uh, that you feel like, mm-hmm. but actually what is the ground truth? I mean, right. Yeah, that's right. So back to back to growing up in Quebec City. Yes, is that right? yeah, that's right. What, uh, what kind of student were you? Oh, I was a 
relatively well. I did flunk grade three. <laughs> you failed grade three? That's right. Just, uh, like full out? Yeah, that's right. What was your worst subject? Uh, what was your worst subject? Oh, uh, French. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, grammar. That's oh, grammar. grammar that's right. <laughs> but you rebounded from that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, I was uh, I suffered from um, from a dyslexic. So I, oh, okay. so I was... Uh, so I learned to deal with my dyslexia, mm-hmm. and uh, but uh, yeah, no, and uh, I liked uh, funny in high school. I ended up end up liking mathematics mm-hmm. and uh, a lot, and uh, I became pretty good at it. And uh, maybe as a typical dyslexic, I overdid it, and uh, right. so uh, and then at university, I I got pretty good, and uh, so. How did you deal with dyslexia at that point? Well, the, the the problem with dyslexia was mainly on the reading side. Right. So uh, I've actually, oddly enough, I read the <laughs> for reading side, but I read a book <laughs> on fast reading. Okay. The art of fast reading. Yeah. And it somehow solved it for me. I uh, learned how to, and I still do that today. I, I read the text, mm-hmm. like the first phrase, then I read the third phrase, and and I somehow figure out the rest. So your brain just fills in. The, yeah. And instead I, of so I can read papers super fast. Wow. So it actually yeah. ended up helping you. Yeah. That's right because dyslexia is really I mean start mixing words so if you the words for dyslexic is to read every word right yeah so you get too caught up in the details yeah yeah, exactly and also that that's the problem with dyslexia your brain flip things that's really for example on the computer if I don't think that yeah. uh, letters get flipped. Oh, okay. I see, I see. <laughs> so, so. so it comes in the output as much yeah, as in the right. input as well. But I, but I think, I mean, as I, I mean, aging, it's not as bad as used to right. be. Right. Uh, and now with so much more access to audiobooks yeah. and, and podcasts, that too, and yeah, it, exactly. it must be easier for people now exactly. to, to yeah. find yeah. ways around it. But I, because I was reading this way, I, I, I read quite voraciously, uh, and uh, I read, but I have to read the way I read. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are if you, you asked me to read a text uh, verbose and uh, that's speaking to it, <laughs> yeah. I'm really bad at this. <laughs> um, so, were you always reading things regarding your studies? Uh, yeah, uh, there are two things. I uh, I mean, born in Quebec City, there's a lot of history around, so I, I used to like history a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, I you you see names and things like this, so you 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 read a history book. So mm-hmm. I read a lot of history, and then yeah, math and science. Is, I still do a lot of that. <laughs> and um, what did you think you were going to get into eventually as you as you got into a when, professional career? Uh, well, that's one thing when you're good at this type of thing. Uh, you know, when you're a kid, you're good at something. You're you say, "I'm going there." Yeah. And so I knew I was going to be a researcher at 15 years old, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's a so. Uh, and did you? Um, and what brought you to Edmonton? Well, there, there's two things. Uh, actually, uh, was before I worked for. 18 years at the National Research Council in mm-hmm. Ottawa, mm-hmm. Uh, one of the main research center in Canada. What were your main projects there? Uh, computer vision. So uh, we actually put uh, laser scanners uh, into the space shuttle to actually scan the tiles and, uh, okay. and, and things like this. Uh, mm-hmm. We we did a lot of um, 3D computer vision for uh, uh, manufacturing mm-hmm. and things like this. So it's quite different to what I'm doing now. Right. And uh, then after that, uh, my wife is from Alberta. She's oh, okay. A, she's a Stony Plain girl. And a good, a good Alberta girl. That's right. Awesome. So, uh, there. Where'd you guys meet? Here, actually. Here? At a conference. Lucky. And, uh, yeah, and uh, they're good girls around here. So, yeah. <laughs> so, at, 
What so was she doing? Was she in a similar field? She uh, no, no. Uh, she's an art historian. So oh, okay. Yeah, that's so wow. So totally, you left brain and totally right different. Brain kind yeah, of that's people. right. But uh, the second part I like is to history and talk about these things. So it's uh, so she fascinates you because yeah, she gets to teach exactly, you all these things. Right. I'm not sure I would have liked to be with someone similar to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always the question: that's is right. do opposites attract? But you've yeah. got to have certain overlap. Oh, overlap. It's exactly of overlap. common ground. Yeah, and then, so um, in, in your computer vision now, are we talking like, are we talking about a computer's ability to visually evaluate To recognize, uh, to actually capture the real world and then recognize it and then do things with it. So, so one thing we, we've worked uh, quite a bit, uh, when I first arrived here, I continued that work uh, was uh, to basically, put, for example, if there's a plastic bottle here, it's usually done by injection molding. Mm -hmm. You take the bottle out, it's slightly uh, out of shape. So uh, what you can do is you want to know if it's in the tolerance. Yeah. So you laser scan it, then you actually move the shape a little bit as if the water was in it, then mm -hmm. you know if it's intolerance. On, in the computer model? In the computer model. Oh, so that's, that's really We call it something called virtualized reality, where you take the, vir the real world yeah. and virtualize it by digitizing it. Yeah. And then you start playing in the virtual world but, about the real world. But how how does the computer take into all the all the factors of the real like how does it understand that okay, well, it's made of plastic see, and it's then cool. you'll see the link with what I'm doing currently, yeah. which is you have sensors that actually measure plastic uh, stiffness. Uh, mm -hmm. You have sensors that measure the shape of the plastic. You mm -hmm. have sensors that measure its temperature. Mm -hmm. And then you combine that into a model. Right. So in uh, manufacturing, we used to basically as a, was a computer-aided model. Yeah. And uh, in uh, what I'm doing is called a patient-specific model. Right. But okay. it's fundamentally, it's not that different. Right. Yeah. So, in, of course, with humans, way more complicated. In these yeah. models, you build in sort of the basic laws of physics. Laws and, of physics. And, so and, and it yeah. knows gravity and it knows exactly. forces right. of pressure and everything. And then typically we would do that, then do some sort of simulation. And then uh, as we did that, then we can actually redigitize, uh, do some. Let's say uh, you're trying to optimize an injection molding machine. Mm -hmm. uh, you got different temperature. You got put. So if we optimize in the virtual world, then actually do it for real, mm -hmm. and then see if what we predicted fits what. So right, reverse yeah. engineer mm -hmm. the result exactly. and make sure that it fits. Yeah. Now I, I was reading about a uh, a project you're involved with called uh, digitizing the El Dorado. Yes. Why, what was that? Oh, that, that was uh, actually, uh, we uh, we digitize, um, it was actually a student of mine, uh, they're from Colombia, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then there is uh, one of the most beautiful collection of pre-Columbian artifacts, uh, all gold collection, in called the uh, Musidoro, which is the gold museum of Bogota. What does pre-Columbian mean? Just before so it was basically a Before uh, Christopher Columbus came oh, gotcha. to, to America. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there were uh, indigenous people here, the, the Incas were one, but actually the one were really with gold artifacts were the Muiscas and some of the and unbelievable artifacts. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they, they actually knew the lost wax, lost wax process, which is you sculpture thing in wax and then you put it in sand and then you put, put gold and you can actually make very intricate Oh, jewelry. okay. So it's like molding. So, uh, so when the conquistador came, actually, they burned all this and uh, <laughs> these incredible artifacts. And fortunately, some of them got saved. Right. And, uh, and there are actually a lot of them are into this uh, museum in Bogota. And uh, 
what they wanted to do is a show that you can come with three-dimensional laser scanners mm -hmm. and make uh, called virtual pro, uh, virtual model right. that they can then uh, allow you. So what we were able to do with that is we we digitize them. We were able to display them in the virtual world. Mm -hmm. Then we had uh, some so with a headset. Uh, no, which actually a screen. Okay. But the screen allowed us to also have a haptic device, which is a force uh, little mini robot. Yeah. And we could actually touch the object. Really? In virtually. Yeah. And also, we, as you knock on it, we recorded the sound of the object. when you oh, knock, cool. And you could actually hear the sound of right. the object. So, so when, when we talk about a virtual reality, we're, we're seeing it and to a degree touching it. Yeah. How, how long is it going to be until we're able to manipulate our brain input to actually think that we're physically Physically connected. Yeah. The, 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 the key issue currently is, uh, well, there's two things. I mean, tapping in directly into the brain function, that's, we're a very long way away from that and is why is that yeah. uh, it's very complicated we well, just still actually, don't understand yeah, it well enough. yeah exactly and uh, very complex uh, and uh, actually one of the biggest problem is uh, a very simple problem which is if you put an electrode in your brain mm -hmm. to activate and uh, what happens is your immune system attacks it oh, okay and it will coat it and your electrode there will stay for maybe a month or two yeah so there have been some cases where they actually were able to put electrodes into the motor cortex mm -hmm. and uh, their uh, people are able to with their motor cortex to actually move a robot arm and, right and so for handicapped people but unfortunately that only lasts for for four months six months depending on your immune interesting system. and so you don't want to disable the immune system no so yeah that's right you <laughs> do that. yeah. so so they're looking for ways to make electrodes that are not foreign bodies. Right. So they're made of uh, cells that would. Once that's solved, there mm -hmm. might be a, uh, uh, then a possibility mm -hmm. of uh, because they've been already experiment where they actually can stimulate the the, the optical nerve mm -hmm. uh, with uh, electrodes, and then you can actually send a signal to it, and then for for uh, for, for, non, for example non to uh, eye? To, yeah, yeah, exactly right. for a blind person, yeah. you can actually create vision uh, by sending signal to the optical nerve and then right but um, so so in bet before that I mean before this happened they have these called neutral electrode and very 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 small electrodes mm -hmm. uh, to uh, be tap every little cells um, what I think is now we have the hand mounted display which is relatively old technology actually it's right. from the 90s really yeah and having and actually the first uh, VR set ever done by Mr. Sutherland uh, in the, was in the 60s. I was going to say, it was 64? 64. Yeah, I was reading right. one of your websites yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, in 64 he did that. Yeah. So, so my, my hunch is the next generation of head-mounted wallet app is contact lenses with OLED, mm -hmm. uh, organic LED. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they would basically have micro lens to it and project images Directly, directly into the, the optic retina. nerve, right? And that will solve all sort of problem. One of the big problem is in ver in augmented reality. Mm -hmm. um, if I have an augmented reality glasses, and uh, let's say I want to drill holes in your wall here, mm -hmm. so I have to recognize the corners and associate that with a drawing. Then mm -hmm. uh, I display the drawing onto the wall, and assuming the drawing is correct, uh, if my, in a, in, a, in if I'm aligned properly. Mm -hmm then I would be able to drill something and not go through the pipes. Right. Um, the problem is, 
with the current head mounted display so I move my they shift and everything, everything gets screwed up yeah that's right because so, there's a gap there between so you'll see that most augmented reality application today are still observing things or like right. I would look at you and then over there'll be like your name on top mm -hmm. of your but not uh, not real I would call precise augmented reality right or for is, workers yeah. is there any danger of projecting onto no onto light the, is light is uh, it called so the phobia yeah the, the yeah the uh, the, the phobia yeah yeah, yeah. The, the retina, sorry, yeah, right, yeah, right. So, so, so there is a no, no. Light is light. Uh, okay, yeah, that's um, it does retina doesn't care if it's uh, from the sun or from a from an LED. Mm -hmm. So, and if you've got the contexts that are that of advanced, then you've got all sorts of other measures you could throw in there exactly. too, like blood glucose. What else can you measure through the eye? To the eyes, uh, you can measure uh, the, uh, the the saccade and then determine, uh, for example, if you're nervous. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can actually, uh, we do that in the lab a lot. Uh, for example, in the case with surgeons, we're trying, we're interested in how they move, but also we're looking, interested in how they look. So right. for example, they use something, a trick that is common to everybody who drive, which is instead of looking at your hood in the front, mm -hmm. you look forward. Past it. Surgeon, when they do endoscopic surgery, they do the same. They look forward and then they follow. Right. So it's, so it's, um, uh, understanding, it allowed to understand, but also enhance, basically. I mean, I might be looking at, say, the computer there and put it on, for example. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so Where we got, we got down a rabbit hole there, which is good because that was super interesting. I wanted to ask you, have you ever um, come across or ever looked into, I think that it's called transcranial stimulation, uh, That's right, yeah. For athletes yeah. and learning, and it's supposed to stimulate, you know, slight. Different part with microwave. Uh, yeah, and yeah. like slight, like um, electrical impulses, yeah. like very, not even detectable. In, in the 90s, the 90s uh, US Army tried that for a jet fighter pilot to actually uh, <laughs> allow them to do brain uh, computer interface. So mm -hmm. they would think about something, mm -hmm. uh, multiple target, and then select them, for example. Right. And, uh, but um, the brain is a very complicated thing. So uh, to be able to read uh, the brain from just electrical activities, just mm -hmm. from the outside is my viewpoint, uh, right. hopeless. Uh, <laughs> again, uh, you would need deep electrodes that actually are in the center you know. Mm -hmm. The thing is centers, uh, like speech centers, your speech center is slightly different than my location, my speech center. Right. So they're not clearly defined, uh, they were the, the patient dependent. Right. And, uh, but they're starting, uh, for example, uh, for epileptic seizure, uh, there is a, something called deep electrode implant, mm -hmm. uh, where, and it's actually one of the most um, powerful uh, treatment, uh, where you basically go in an MRI machine, you determine where is the epileptic center, and then you actually go and put an electrode there. Mm -hmm. And when the, uh, the computer detects that there is an actual epileptic seizure, mm -hmm. it will actually send an electric shock there. And, and, and sort of circumvent and the seizure. Yeah, that's right. Oh, so, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but you can imagine the reverse where basically, I mean, you're, you would know where, let's say, certain sensors are, mm -hmm. and then you would actually detect them. And then, so. Right. What's uh, what's exciting you the most about about the work that you're doing right now? Because you've got some other really cool projects yeah. on the go. I, I would say it's... Uh, Actually, I, I get a lot of excitement working with, with doctors, especially surgeons, mm -hmm. uh, in a sense that uh, um, you got this. This is the case right after the point of care in some way. You've 
you've gone, you abuse your body, you've uh, done, and then suddenly now you got the massive attack, and how you actually fix it now? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it could be in a car accident, which is not you're not responsible, right. but let's say uh, you have uh, some other um, disease that are lifestyle related. Let's say, um, how are you actually going to fix that? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, being able. So, one project we did work uh, for a while was is instead of using augmented reality with head-mounted display, which is impossible to have in operating room because right. there you can't sterilize them. Right. Uh, we've worked on what we call projected augmented reality. So right. We basically uh, we you put you on the table. We have a projector. We have targets we recognize with machine vision, mm-hmm. and then we can actually show like x-ray vision. Right, that's called Project DR? Project DR. Now, is that, my question about that is, is it projecting what's actually in that particular patient or is it just a normal model? No, it's exactly, it's uh, the projected of the patient-specific model, but How does it know what's inside? Because you do the CT and MRI before. Oh, I see. So you plug in the CT and MRI data, exactly, and then that lines it up with the sensors. With the uh, sensor, the, the, the but you 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 touch a point there, which is what we call preoperative, which is uh, done in the CT and MRI, and mm-hmm. then there is postoperative, how we actually update that model right during the procedure right and then so uh, some of our my students are working on using something called fluoroscopy, which is a fast X-ray system okay that would actually allow you to do this update so that's sort of what they have at the airports now the scanners? uh the scanner yeah it's the, the same scanner. yeah except the quick scanner are using microwave oh. uh, which is also another technique uh, right that you can use a microwave tomography but uh, like a dampened down version of a yeah, microwave because uh, you're not boiling the, from the inside you, yeah well actually your cell phone produce microwave uh, right yeah uh, the difference uh, at the airport and of course that's always the issue with Anything that deals with X-ray mm-hmm. is uh, there's a maximum amount of dose you can get, mm-hmm. and in theory, I mean, there's no safe dose. Right. So, so for example, in US, uh, where um, uh, doing CT is very more common in here, uh, what happened is NIH discovered there's now a cancer source called oh, CT no way. cancer. Yeah. A- and that's because where does that sort of sh- express? Well, itself? it's basically, I mean, the X-ray goes to your body, it will interact with your DNA molecule, and uh, especially if you're very young, uh, you might not know it, but it might mean a mutation in your DNA molecule will, mm-hmm. which, when ten year or twenty year later, turn into cancer. So, right. Yeah. So if it's altering you at the DNA level, does that does that run the risk of being passed down hereditary? Uh, you could, uh, yeah, very unlikely. They're very punctual type of DNA changes, oh, okay. but, uh, but, but the problem with the more is you can't predict what is the consequence, right? Because it's it might have happened. I mean, it might even happen now. I mean, I'm sitting here. There's a gamma ray that goes through me, mm-hmm. and there's a boom, DNA change. Boom, and uh, six months from now, I'm dead from a very bad cancer. Oh, and uh, it's the danger of living, I guess. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do? Not live? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's right. Exactly. So, but but uh, certainly, you don't want to help uh, that uh, gamma ray that comes from the sun mm-hmm. uh, or the galactic uh, gamma rays to uh, expose yourself uh, not unnecessarily to x-ray exposures into machines. I mean, right. I mean, it's nice for doctor to have nice, beautiful image of the CT and brain and the bones and all that, but uh, 
so, so there is a trend in medicine now to actually move away from uh, CT and MRI and uh, many CT, uh, X-ray CT, mm -hmm. to MRI is actually quite a bit safer. Right. Uh, to uh, something more like um, ultrasound as well. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And ultrasound still produces as high quality an image. Uh, high resolution. Well, that's that's the issue. The image is much lower quality, but good enough. With some enhancement on it, right. you might actually be able to uh, create. Good enough image to, at least you do one, you do one CT and you update it mm -hmm. if you like. So right, yeah. I see. Yeah. So with Project DR, so what are, what are the most uh, practical uses for for having that? For yeah. Doctors? So so for example, uh, the 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 one of the usages for that was uh, given to me by a plastic surgeon is uh, a woman who have lost her breast and they mm -hmm. want to do a, a breast uh, replacement. Mm -hmm. So they take fat from the the belly here and then they take that fat keep the vascularization in and then they try to approximate the other breast. Right. So what you could do is project oh, okay. and then you can actually with a 3D sensor, mm -hmm. you can actually show the difference. Interesting. And then you will actually know, the surgeon will know how to push it the right way. Right. And, but uh, one of the uh, most practical usage of that is for something called image-guided surgery. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know if you heard about uh, minimally invasive surgery. So uh, you puncture holes in your body, mm -hmm. and then you have uh, two uh, or two or three uh, um, stick, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. little tongs. Little tongs, and then yeah. you put it in the body, and you have a camera inside, and then you actually perform surgery with without, slicing without right opening open. the person. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of advantage, mm -hmm. except that uh, the training on that is very hard because it's you lose the sense of, uh, I mean, you're not using your hand. Right. And so, um, and then actually, other enough, even if you're not opening the person as much, the chance of accidents higher because you you lost the contact with. Yeah, it. you don't you don't see where you're cutting or. So so what what uh, image guided surgery would do? Project DR would do is that you would project onto the patient, mm -hmm. know where the tools are from the 3D tracker. What it's and, looking at, and then so. and then basically do an augmentation, so you know where it's like really looking at you right. and see. X-ray vision. So. That would be super helpful. Like if if you've got one of the ten percent of people with their appendix on the other side, and you that's right. and you just happen to forget that. And exactly. That's in, right. right? And, uh, yeah, it's um, more and more uh, surgeon now. Uh, what they do is they send the patient to a CT, MRI thing, create that data, fuse the data, and then they actually that's what we have at the something called the Servi Virtual Cardiac Center, mm -hmm. uh, where we actually the doc the doctor go, the surgeon goes with the radiologist and they say. Look, oh, there's a clogged artery here. Mm -hmm. Then he start thinking, I'm going to get get there with a little catheter. Because yeah. those guys think this way. They're like mechanics. Right. I mean, they're going to pass I'm going to go to fix that. And, and uh, so they think in 3D and, uh, and then. And it must be so, so useful. Yeah. Oh, it is. Are, are we getting to a point where, are we going to get to a point rather where doctors are able to operate on a 3D computerized generated image and then just have robotic arms that do it. They, we're very close to that. Uh, there's um, uh, arms that are, or robots that are called Da Vinci robot. Uh, there's about two at the Royal Alec. And the doctor is actually in a different room. And that's telemedicine. Telemedicine. Right. And he telemedicine, but local telemedicine. Right. But they're starting to be software that actually take the patient specific model and then do some form of automation mm -hmm. to it and then navigate. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, to take the catheter and then have a little mini robot that actually will bring it to the artery. Right. So, and then uh, typically they inflate the balloon mm-hmm. to open the artery. Mm-hmm. And then if the artery doesn't hold by itself, they put a spring there. So, yeah. Wow. That's a, a, like a tiny, sp- tiny, tiny little, sp- yeah, that's, that's right. Um, tiny bubble and a tiny little spring. Right. That actually will hold the artery open. So. Mm-hmm. My my mind always goes to the sci-fi movies where you've got the just sort of like image projected in air and they can move stuff around and yeah. visualize it a lot better. And you you, you I mean there'll be I mean, we're not there yet, but uh, but there'll be like increment to that. Yeah. So uh, uh, guidance. I mean you're dealing with patients, so uh, of course one screw up is uh, can be quite deadly. Right. So uh, so you have to make sure that you go in increment and it's safe. Mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, uh, good scene in medicine, which is do no harm. And, uh, so do no harm, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you ever get in the operating room with these guys? Yeah, quite a few times. Yeah, and, uh, scrub up I, and get yeah, in. scrub up and just try not to bump yes. in anything. Exactly. Or, yes. or do you get in there? Well, stay there and stay out of. Don't make a <laughs> do no harm. Do, do, do no harm. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm uh, so, but uh, I'm quite impressed by the energy of some of those surgeons. I mean, I've been one that was a pituitary gland. Uh, and um, they put the person in a vice. Uh, mm-hmm. They actually um, uh, measure trackers on their head, and mm-hmm. re- then you, what you can do is relate your tool to uh, the MRI and the CT. So right. it's called neural navigation. Okay, it's like a GPS navigation. And then they drill through the nose and go through the pituitary gland, and then they, they find the, the closest thing, way oh to go up there. And then they once they're there, they start scooping out the tumor, and then <laughs> so. How do they how do they get through the brain so that they're not just slicing everything on the way? They they, they they that's what the CT and MRI with registration is known. So you they they use the uh, imaging mm-hmm. to actually determine where it is located relative to some target on your head. Right. So they put the more or less screw target on your on yeah. the skull because you don't want those guys to move. Right. Yeah, because that's a reference. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happened is the uh, they're in the operating room and there's called optical tracking system that mm-hmm. look at those targets. And they have the same thing uh, with their tools that are registered relative to that. Right. And in the screen there is uh, the CT and the MRI or whatever modality you want to have. And then they uh, they know where their tool is relative right. to but where are, you are. Are they navigating in between the folds of the brain? Or they, are they going between the brain well, and the Well, one of the things, neurosurgeon, for example, what they will do is uh, before surgery, they will actually do a CT and MRI and another modality called DTI, the, the, which is um, allow you to determine where the fibers in the brains are. Okay. And, and then they can actually determine where the tumor is. Right. And they will actually find a way, or trying to find a way to go around the fi- the main fibers. Right. So it's like going through the trenches of the Death Star. Exactly. Right? So you don't want to uh, go through uh, the fiber of your optical nerve, for example. <laughs> yeah. uh, but as you, but you, as you, people might not know, but actually, when you're operating on uh, well, brain surgery, you're actually still awake. Right. They're awake because they have to make sure that uh, you're not starting to babble. Jeez. Because as you then you retract, that's okay. got to be so. But it doesn't happen so less. It happened less and less because they mm-hmm. they make these models of the mm-hmm. of the brain and they uh, they try to go to portal if you like. Right. So they, 
Yeah. Does your does your work ever cross the sphere of artificial intelligence? And well, we use artificial intelligence as a tool. So uh, we, uh, for example, in images, uh, we're trying to segment images using deep learning. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so we, we use quite a bit of those tools. But what does that mean, segment images? Uh, so, for example, if you have a tumor, you want to know where the tumor is relative to the rest of the brain. Right. And so uh, uh, radiologists would do that by hand. They would just highlight where the tumor is. Mm -hmm. But what they would like to do, I mean, they're highly paid to do that. <laughs> so, uh, so what they would like to do is some form of automation to mm -hmm. that. And so we're working on automating some of that right yeah so that's like that's in a non-traditional sense of that what people at least yeah. what people think of AI right. what about the more sort of um, uh, you know well broad, it, it, broadly except uh, eventually AI. like we were talking about robots uh, yeah they will for example you would have a robot that so you bring uh, the robot near let's say an artery mm -hmm. and you say suture right and it sutures for you. It's able to see, understand the context exactly. of everything. Yeah. So you'll still be assisted by uh, the real sentient being, which is the the, the, mm -hmm. the human, but you will they will do the mundane thing. Right. Uh, do you consider yourself any bit of a futurist? <laughs> well, I do know something about it. But, uh, <laughs> or, but like all futurists, I, uh, the warning is uh, my prediction might be 100% wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like what's what's your take on sort of uh, us living more virtual lives as as we go through? Well, life? it's um, it's I, I think it's it's a good and a bad thing uh, in some way. See, it's hard to ask a physicist that because mm -hmm. we like the hardcore real world, right? And what's we're all about is about that. Mm -hmm. So I, I do get edgy when you start uh, living into some sort of a fuzzy world of a virtual world, right? But that said, uh, you you might need the virtual world to, uh, I mean, how much it enhances uh, human communication, mm -hmm. how much it enhances uh, social interaction, positively and negatively. Right. Uh, more so, more social interaction through less physical interaction. Exactly. I mean, there's a good example. There's webcast, and mm -hmm. uh, so I mean, you can communicate without having to go through all the big. Uh, uh, companies, uh, media, and, yeah, uh, and it's. I've got no sponsors. I can do whatever. No, I want. exactly. That's, uh, <laughs> which is these days, especially with the, the big media, is mm -hmm. very bad situation. And mm -hmm. So, so th this is the. Uh, I think the future is in that, in a sense, or more the social impact. Uh, the, um, I would say AI uh, to actually solve. Um, let's see, there's a good example: self-driving car. Right. Well, they're discovering that it's. That was not so easy. Right. There's a lot of accident currently. And Are there a lot of accidents? Well, there and there's been one publicized. Publicized one, but there are quite a few. Okay. Uh, Uber recently re stopped all this, and because it, they discovering it was not as easy as they thought. I mean, right. we, we we human tend to underestimate our brain power mm -hmm. uh, by a huge amount. Right. Just yeah. even yeah. looking at a room. Yeah. Like it's like didn't they just give someone? Weren't they able to give them sight for the first time in yeah. their lives? Well, th the thing is. Uh, is machines still today cannot have call, call f uh, what we call in computer vision full scene understanding. Right. I look at you and I, I recognize, I recognize this and mm -hmm. all the time 
and, and you I, know what to ignore. I know, I know what to ignore. You lock onto exactly. my face, and, and, and your, most of your brain understanding is still elusive and might be elusive for quite some time. Right. I mean, it obviously it's possible because right. we work. So because most of your brain power when we're looking at each other is going towards. I, like understanding my emotional state, hey, right? That too, exactly. Because that contextually is the most important thing. To exactly, human being. body con uh, eye contact yeah. and uh, and uh, tweaks and uh, yeah. uh, all sort of. You need to know: am I am I a friend or am I an enemy? Am exactly. I, am that's I going right. to laugh at your joke or am I going right. to jump across the desk and try exactly. and kill you? Right. right. Exactly. And that's, that's that's important for for people. And uh, so and we learned that from ba from once we're babies. I mean, that's. Uh, Right. So the this the fully autonomous self driving as we hope to one day achieve is a lot farther off than most oh, people I, I realize. Think so. I, it's, uh, what are I we talking like? I would say decades, twenty years, twenty years. Yeah, yeah. I think we have the compute power to do it, mm -hmm. uh, and actually, a lot of the AI current uh, evolution and the the so called. Um, uh, revolution uh, is was mainly due to the development of something called GPU, uh, graphic processing, or massive parallel computers okay. that allow you to actually do things super fast. Right. Um, that we have algorithms that are robust and like we are, uh, mm -hmm. that actually uh, could understand the context. We're not there yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, we still don't know how to do that. Right. I mean, we can make computer play chess and go and things like mm -hmm. this but this is you don't survive this way right, right? and I there's mean, the, the philosophy of it too like you need to understand am I if the car has to swerve am yeah I going for the six-year-old girl with exactly with so morality arms, of it uh, or am I going for the 40 year old man exactly if you have to hit one in the meantime though there might be uh, some very dangerous usage of it uh, I don't know if you saw that simulation into um, on the web where actually they have little drones about size of uh, it, it's it's a simulation it's not the real but it's oh, okay their goal was to show what's possible so there is very little they they, they move around mm -hmm. like a drone mm -hmm. and they only have a little camera and then they do face identification oh, okay and then they have a charge of uh semtech on it of what semtech what's uh, semtech the, the explosive oh okay yeah and they, their goal was to show that you can build something very close. We're very close to build that. So you, it's like they're like uh, little murder bots. Little murder bots. They're killing bots. Holy shit! And then, <laughs> uh, if you look on the web, and the simulation is really good on that. What's it called? Um, killing bots. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, killing bots. Yeah. And oh, it's just a bunch of. Uh, but it, but from a theoretical or uh, engineering point of view, it's right. easy to do. I mean, your face identification, location, and you just uh, make sure the bots goes to your, to your head, your and phone. then it just blows them up. Blows your up. So imagine if you drop. I mean, in the simulation, they show. Imagine if you drop uh, hundreds of thousands of them in a city. And they could just go, but if you've got and it would just kill pre-specified targets, you can use Facebook for that. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> that's decent. who's in control of this stuff right now? Well, nobody. That's the problem, right? And I mean, Elon Musk and uh, um, and uh, actually um, the, the one the physicist who just died uh, that we're saying that's the biggest danger. Did he get killed by one of these? No, no, but, oh. uh, yeah. but he but he he was saying that and you couldn't track simple him. AI could mm -hmm. I mean uh, making a simple AI with very simple uh, algorithm could mm -hmm. actually make a very dangerous killing right. machine. So. so we're getting to the point where now our 
like the technology is so accessible that we really have to rely on humanity to not want to do these things yeah, but instead we, of the you, lack of technology and history uh, do we can we do that <laughs> <laughs> humanity has a very bad reputation on that one that's a, yeah. yeah i mean it's going to be the point where you can't piss anyone off no because but i yeah, mean it, is it that will good? send it will send a bot to and yeah. then kill you uh, and you, you won't even be responsible yeah like what in, what if instead of mass murders or like mass shootings you've got a mass, I don't know, uh, psychologically unstable yeah, person yeah. who's he goes in his facebook click 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 <laughs> and he sends his bots and that's it game over for those guys you're freaking me out <laughs> but look do at these this, things keep this, you up at night uh well this one actually i thought that was very good simulation this is a, still a simulation well right it's so, it looks so realistic that, that actually it i've I would not be surprised it exists, but tiny FPV drones. That's is that right. what they're called? I think so. Yeah. Okay, I'll have a, I'll have a look on my own time. Yeah, not on the air. But uh, it's a it's a scary video, and mm -hmm. uh, in this case, it's a it's a simulation. But um, I, I think there the purpose of that was to to show that with not such advanced AI, mm. you can actually create terrible thing with it right well our, our killing ability has has grown by such leaps and bounds but if you look at the stats on people who are actually dying in yeah. wars it's drastically oh, it, falling yeah that is i yeah. think the life expectancy yeah. in the last 120 years has has gone up by 50 percent. exactly like but but you could have like weapons that are really specific to right and imagine the terror you can create i mean that uh, mm -hmm. you talk the wrong way into somewhere and then, then suddenly there's a drone after you instead right. of the mafia after you there's a drone after you so I, I i know you're very focused on the the engineering and the physics yeah. side of this but do, does your mind ever wander to the philosophical side and sort of the yeah. spirituality side of this yeah it's i mean well i mean uh, there's no doubt that uh, i mean virtuality uh, is something that is um, i mean in some way that's what religion is about i mean mm -hmm. it's uh, creating this representation of the world i mean physics is one way mm -hmm. and uh, i've on one side i have my physics brain and then there's my emotional brain that uh, wants to think something else but uh, right and uh, i always get my physics brain dominates <laughs> me but right. uh, but uh, certainly i mean there's nothing wrong i mean in a sense of um what i think is there's a real physics i mean uh, the table i can my finger cannot go through the table and right. then there's Actually, to me calling that a table mm -hmm. is a cultural artifact. Right. What makes it a table? That's right. Mm -hmm. I mean, fundamentally, it's just material. Mm -hmm. And so there is this other layer which is doesn't obey the... I mean, it's constrained by the laws of physics, mm -hmm. but doesn't have to... I mean, it could be a table, could be something totally different. Right. And, and also, too, it don't, if you get down to like the real theoretical level, like with the, the down to the molecular, molecular level, level does your finger ever actually touch that table no that well it's no it's re electromagnetic repulsion yeah. I, mean, I always say to my uh, student when I teach medical imaging that mm -hmm. the um, material we actually we're touching pretty empty space actually right. if you actually look at the distance between electrons mm -hmm. and the nucleus it's equivalent of the earth and the sun yeah the rest is empty space 
I had a math teacher in grade, I'm going to say like eight or nine, explain that to me. Yeah. And he goes, he explained it, and then he goes, the eraser. So the eraser never really touches a textbook, right? No, that's right. And I go, no, you're right. And then he flicks it and bounces off. He goes, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And now we're now we're traveling onto the uh, the sphere of, of my knowledge and, and any further passes. I don't really know what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, so I'll bring it back a little bit. But um, in one of your bios, it says, you know, you're a big fan of life, music, fine yep, foods. Right. Do you yeah. travel a lot? I, I used to. I'm, uh, I'm a bit tired these days. So okay. I, I've reduced that. Uh, yeah. And, but, uh, yeah, no, actually, uh, my, my favorite activity when I travel is I go to the conference. I get bored fast because right. I know what they're going to talk before even they talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that's from experience, really. Right. Uh, nothing. Not bragging about things. It's just just been around the block. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. So I I do and I like culture. So I I like to like uh, not so long time ago I went to uh, South America in, in um, Buenos Aires and uh, go to the Stanco bars yeah. and the, uh, the atmosphere and that's where virtual come in in some way. It's just you can have spiritual uh, experience. Not only in in a church, you mm-hmm. can have pure experience in a in a tango bar, and it's this sure. magic place or class of culture. Why can't I say that word? Clash of culture, culture. Yeah. Um, and, and just experiencing something so new or so yeah. out of your out of your um, your field. Yeah, you dare and you pinch and, yourself. I'm actually here. That's right. A, yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, we're as, as smart as we are. Yeah. As, as you know. Uh, literate savvy we can get into textbooks like there's nothing really like the one-on-one or one-on-many interactions exactly that's right especially and, and, uh, enjoying basic thing of life like good music I mean mm-hmm. good food and good wine and yeah that's a, if you could live if you had to pick somewhere other than Canada to live where would you live Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I ask them, I, I, occasionally, I yeah, ask a good one. I actually, um, well, I like Canada. F- actually, oddly enough, I'm a, I'm a fan of winter. So it's a come on. Yeah, well, I'm a you the right typical, city. typical Quebec City person. Yeah. I guess that's mm-hmm. uh, actually oddly enough. Actually, Quebec City is even more of a uh, Edmonton doesn't come alive in the winter. In Quebec no, City, you're right. ca- actually comes alive. There's yeah more carnival or more festival in the winter than the and it's about the same temperature right yeah oh yeah, yeah that's pretty much uh, i don't didn't yeah. see it much change in climate uh, oh, i noticed yeah. that i was in harbin china do you oh, know yeah. where that is yes yeah. um yeah. so definitely cold i think it was minus 30 but yeah. also high humidity it was like minus or it was like 80 yeah. percent humidity but everyone was out they have this one street yeah. called uh pedestrian street yeah where exactly. they're all out walking shopping eating ice yeah. cream like i couldn't believe it i would say i mean if you go in the rockies i mean every christmas i go to the rockies and you know we walk at uh, at 10 o'clock at night in the in the snow and there's like all these crystals everywhere yeah. and there's nice fresh air and it's magic oh yeah uh, nothing yeah. better yeah that's right um i've been to tropical places <laughs> It's nice for the body, but it's nothing, nothing magic like this one. Right, and yeah. you get sick of that fast. Right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so growing up in Quebec City, do you ever go to Le Chute at all? Uh, Le Chute, yeah, that's Le uh, once in a while, yeah. That's do you remember why the, is that? the low dairy? Yeah. That's my family's. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. I never, um, I, I haven't been back there yeah. ever, but. Uh, Actually, uh, we, I was in Montreal at a conference about two weeks ago when we were at Hudson. So, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice, uh, it's not far from there. And, okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't been there yet, but yeah. I'll go, uh, I'll do one summer there and yeah. check it out. Maybe a winter. Yeah. Now yeah. Like you're saying, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. Did you ever have the ice cream there? No. 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 I heard yeah. they, were, they were big on the ice cream. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, Perfect. Uh, yeah, no, it's. Um, I mean, uh, but uh, the question about uh, what place, there's many places. I, I traveled a lot. So mm-hmm. 
where there's magic. Where there's magic. Yeah. Well, if you, I think there's magic everywhere. You just got to so. be looking for it, right? It's, I've seen, there, I don't think, uh, the planet is pretty much, we live in a beautiful planet. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we uh, don't do some, something stupid with it, uh, we, uh, we should respect it more. Because we, I mean, if you go to Rockies, you go to, um, to South America in the Andes, or mm -hmm. uh, I used to go quite a bit in Colombia. I mean, there's places you go in there's mountain. Think of the Rockies, but tropical. Right. It's like you're you're there and you're wow, I'm right. actually here. <laughs> and our culture seems to lack a, a, an appreciation or a real love of nature. I mean, like yeah. we like being outside, but culturally we don't have that sort of respect and that sort no, of no, that's right, exactly. you know, admiration yeah. for it. Like like you look at a um, an indigenous uh, yeah. native. To, That's right. They respect. Uh, they go hunting, and they mm -hmm. they say to the bear, "I'm sorry to yeah, kill you." Thank but, uh, you for your gifts. Yes, that that's right. And, uh, so it's um, that separation between us and nature, and then there shouldn't be a separation. I mean, right. you see that when you actually measure people. We're mm -hmm. we're all nature. <laughs> that's a. Uh, so what are you, you just researching for the summer? Are you teaching any summer courses? Yeah, uh, no, well, I'm usually taking care of my grad students. I have okay. 10 grad students, so yeah. I sit down with them and... Uh, <laughs> taking care of them? Like <laughs> I take a, care of them. Like a shepherd? <laughs> That's right, pretty much. Right. So they go astray. Well, they, I mean, you have to think, uh, a grad student start, uh, he finish, and he's experienced, but not that experienced right. with research, and uh, they need a nudge once in a while to say, okay, right. this will never work. <laughs> You got to keep the egos in check sometimes. That, yeah, yeah, that too. And then uh, they, uh, um, in general, I mean, people, I mean, it's, science is a uh, human activity. So mm -hmm. there's uh, some prof that are not always that have ego problem, I should right. say. But in general, ego is not a not a good thing in science. You well, have the more to be humble in a sense that accept the fact that modern nature is always right. <laughs> right, yeah. And the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know, too. I'm exactly, sure it helps absolutely, as well. yeah, that's right. And so, so what's Edmonton doing um, that's, you know, leading leading the charge in, in your Well, family? certainly in my department, uh, there's a very, very good group in machine learning, uh, certainly a good group in AI. Uh, and uh, I would say there's a Bloomberg... Um, presentation and they're actually Canada we're doing very well in this uh, Montreal Toronto and uh, Edmonton are the three hub of AI in North America oh wow so uh, so um, this is very exciting it's and good because oil yeah. is not well that's out. the thing I mean that's uh, I always keep saying as for example I have a small uh, startup uh, about point of care and yeah. trying to find investors and you know unless it's oil and more oil Right. What's the return on investment? Well, right. it might be later. <laughs> what do you mean late? Like next quarter? That's exactly no, 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 no. Exactly. not next quarter. Next decade. So, so it's and and it's a bit frustrating in Edmonton because you know there's money mm -hmm. in that city. Oh, for sure. Quite a bit actually from the oil, mm -hmm. but they're afraid to put it in something else. But if they don't do that in the next, I mean, once oil will eventually become obsolete. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. as technology evolves, I mean, either from. Uh, the first development of fusion reactors uh, to uh, the more and more usage of solar panels, solar mm -hmm. panels, and things like this. So the the consumption of oil will eventually reduce. Right, they're banking on the supply of oil going down before the yeah. use of it goes exactly. down. Right, yeah, so right. they're trying to balance those two yeah, points and, that's right. and maximize that crest yeah. of the wave. But we're not in the driver's seats in that. Uh, it's the Saudis who are in the driver's seat right. and the Russians. So. Uh, 
I mean, the price of oil is going up for a while, which was good for Alberta. Mm -hmm. And then now it's the Saudis. I, I don't know. I want this to go down. So <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> it's right. So, so it, it's, it's why, I mean, oil, yes, is a, a good example is Texas. Uh, Texas uh, used to be uh, mainly uh, like Alberta, uh, an oil province or mm -hmm. an oil state. And, but they were able to use some of that to create high tech. Right. And now it's mainly in a high tech. Mm -hmm. uh, state right that and that's the evolution right you do yeah. something until until you start because normally oil should open the capital mm -hmm. to actually allow you to invest heavily into high tech right and uh, so for example in in the uh, here um, in alberta i mean the the ai is very good medicine is mm -hmm. also very good mm -hmm. uh, so uh, there should be people should be thinking of investing in you that. just got to keep funneling it away from the oil into uh, yeah aspects. yeah because austin's a big tech hub now oh absolutely yeah. austin uh, uh actually um uh, the other um, dallas also uh, mm -hmm. and uh, there is for example in um in austin and uh, the other city uh, what do you the big Fort, city. Fort Worth? No, not Fort Worth. Uh, Dallas, uh, Austin. Near more the, uh, the Bay, uh, uh, the, the most known city of Texas. Uh, uh, ha. It's Dallas, isn't it? No, well, there's Dallas. Yeah. The, uh, no, but there's the... Uh, <laughs> the word NASA is. Oh, Houston. Houston. Houston, Texas. So, so there's NASA, there's yeah. Texas Instrument, there is all sort of companies that are high-tech. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, actually, that's where the, the miracle that have, should happen in Alberta is also did happen in in houston oh so, okay yeah. we missed the boat yeah well we're still, we're still okay but yeah. it's like but as we wait too long mm -hmm. because my the big fear is we could be a houston or we could be a detroit right yeah good yeah. point dr boulanger okay. um <laughs> i could talk to you for another hour but that was already yeah. over oh, an hour well, i nice, want to be nice conversation <laughs> respectful of your time um yeah. so thank you uh where can if if listeners are interested in reading you more can about send what me you're my an email okay what's your yeah. email address uh, prb at ualberta.ca so perfect uh, and uh, if they want to send uh, comments or email they're more than welcome <laughs> <laughs> sounds good thanks again have okay. a great day thank you Totally fascinating departure from some of the topics we typically discuss on the podcast. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Shoot me a message if you did like the change up. Shoot me a message if you didn't like it and think that I should stick to things I know about. Or just shoot me a message because you want to say hi. Love you all. See you next week.